Hi, Sister Moms. While we hope that you enjoy listening to the Four Moms podcast and find it helpful, it is not intended to replace a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. If you have questions about finding a mental health provider, please email us at fourmoms827 at gmail.com and we will send you a list of resources. We are Four Moms, a platform intended to uplift and empower those who listen so that they find their voice, seek healing, and recover their strength. It is our hope that in tuning into Four Moms, you find a community full of laughter, thought-provoking conversation, and you see a little bit of yourself in each one of us because we are four daughters, four women, and four moms here for you. Hi, Sister Moms. Welcome back. Come on in and chat with us. We are so excited to see you again. Thank you for joining us this evening. And we're going to get started with one of our questions from one of our viewers. The question was, what does self-care look like for you? So I'll get started. Um, For me, it's just, you know, making sure I have boundaries in the morning and at nighttime so I can have like five to 10 minutes just to myself with my coffee and my music without any interruptions from my daughter. That's my self-care that I do on a daily basis. Guarantees me 20 minutes to myself every day. Yeah, I think, well, self-care for me um, is pretty basic. It's just being able to take a shower once my son goes to sleep. Um, That means that no one's busting in the bathroom, knocking on the door, um, interrupting me, and I get to play my music, the music that I like to listen to. Um, So it's shower after bedtime. Mm -hmm. So my self-care is getting my nails done. I think that is the one thing I said I will never change. I get my nails done every two weeks. Due to COVID, I only get my feet done right now. (laughs) But uh, I get my nails done. Um, I listen to music on Sundays. Uh, I'm not very religious, but for some reason on Sundays, I always put on gospel music in the morning just to get me going for the day. And then I love to just sit by myself sometimes and just close the door, meditate and, you know, get my thoughts in one namaste. (laughs) Um, For me, I do a lot of different things, but definitely like prayer, just to ground myself in my mind, um, meditation, um, yoga, which I do like right off of YouTube. And then I use another little app to have like live yoga sessions, which is pretty cool, especially hot yoga. When it was hot in the summertime, I would just like turn the air off and just like sweat to death and do hot yoga. And I swear it was like so therapeutic. Um, and then like, like, like Dr. Lamb said, um, just taking a shower right? It's like moms don't get showers alone a lot. So at nighttime, that shower is just like rejuvenating. So that's me. But as moms, how do you make sure you keep, like you make sure you do Mm self-care because there's always a lot of things going on with us. I think for me, nature kind of forces me to make sure I do it. Um, I can tell when I didn't get my time to like drink my coffee or um, do my headspace app because I feel more like irritated or agitated. So then I'm like, oh, I didn't do this today. So I go lock myself in the bathroom and, you know, put some music on and take some deep breaths and come back a new mom, new employee, new friend, new daughter, you know, just a new person. Yeah. And I think, um, I remember like my kids are older now, like they're three and five, but when they were newborns, not newborns, but like, I want to say like maybe six months or so, um, I used to like, you know, try to be like this super mom that was with them all the time and like 
watching them every second. And I learned by the second child that it's okay to like put the baby down in a safe space and walk away for a minute, they will be fine as long as they're not like in a harm, you know, like if they're in their crib and they're safe, they're good. Um, and just take a minute for yourself. So I know like new moms struggle with that a lot. I know I did in the beginning, like letting go literally, especially when you're nursing, like, I don't know, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but just that time to like sit them down, you got to go cry or whatever the case may be, just like you need a moment to yourself just to breathe. So that's always helped me. One thing I remind myself of is that it's better for everybody if I get a little bit of alone time. Like it's better for me, it's better for my husband, it's better for my son. I won't be um, as short tempered, you know, I'll be more relaxed and better able to play and have fun. Um, so sometimes I might not get any time alone in the whole day. And then at the end of the day, my husband will say something like, oh, you want to watch a movie or you want to do this or that? And I'll say, yeah, but first I need like 30 minutes or can you give me an hour? Because I have, you know, I just need some alone time or I have a few things that I want to do. And, um, luckily the answer is yes. <laughs> so it, it, like I said, it's better for everyone that we kind of take a moment to, um, decompress. Yeah, my mom always taught me that. She always said like quiet time is good time. And it's like from when we used to get home from school, she was like, it's time to do your guys homework. So that was her, our quiet time and her time to do her self-care. So I tend to do that with um, my daughter now. I'll put her up for like a little nap or just put her in her playroom and let her, you know, safe space, sit down so I could kind of have my moment when um, I get off of work. Because now that being at home and dealing with work, it's like, everything's in one spot you don't really get that time just to take a break mm -hmm. definitely so now we're just going to move on to our tea time welcome to the month of november thank you for joining us in our second month of operations um november's national family caregivers month um there is a lot to be aware of when you think about um being a caregiver and the different roles and responsibilities of caregivers uh, dr lamb is gonna give us some background information about the art of caregiving and making sure you have the proper like mental support and physical support that you need to be a great caregiver Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think um, we often focus on um, mothers and fathers and, you know, kind of caregiving for children, and we forget about our other caregivers that are taking care of their parents, um, that are taking care of maybe even neighbors or children that are not biologically theirs. Um, and it's really important for us to honor those folks because it is not an easy job. Um, and we find that many of the caregivers are in what we call that sandwich generation where they're caregiving for their own children and their parents at the same time. And then they fall somewhere in between. So how much time do they have for themselves? How do they draw lines and have boundaries around family time versus taking care of you know, this, this elder who might be in their family? Um, often we hear that um, folks who are providing care are, are struggling in a lot of ways. They end up um, taking care of that person's medical and emotional needs and neglecting their own. So they're not attending their own medical appointments. Um, they're actually starting to isolate themselves from their, their peer group um, because they're so exhausted from providing care and things like that. So I think it's important for us to think about um, you know, some of the things that caregivers can do when you are in that position. Now, don't get me wrong, I think it is an honorable thing to do. Um, and absolutely, um, the best kind of work we can do is show love to, you know, folks who are in need. Um, and one of my earliest memories of providing care, 
aside from helping out with my younger sister, but I won't get into that because I don't want to embarrass her. <laughs> uh, but one of my earliest memories is, um, is providing care for my grandmother. Uh, when I was in high school, I was probably around 15, she um, was diagnosed with, with cancer and was struggling and was sent home on hospice. And she was sent home on hospice in the summertime. So I remember earlier in the year, I had told my mom, I'm too old to go to camp. I don't wanna go to summer camp anymore. So when this happened, she's like, oh, you're not going to summer camp. So guess what? You get to join the family rotation and, and help out and help grandma because grandma has helped you, you know, all these years. And to be honest with you, I loved every moment of it. Um, there's not a single regret. Um, I didn't wish to be anywhere else. I loved being there. It gave me a real sense of um, responsibility and purpose. I was able to, at 15, participate in making her food and weighing her every day and bathing her and, you know, kind of making her walk around the house for exercise. Um, and it is, you know, to this day, probably one of my um, one of my proudest moments that I was able to give her just a fraction uh, of the love that I think she offered um, offered me. But um, in looking at my mom and her sister, some of the things they did to make sure that they kind of took care of themselves as caregivers is that they stayed connected to each other. So they had a social outlet. They made sure they talked about what they were going through. Um, they did set limits. So whoever was working more maybe took fewer shifts or if someone had a longer shift, someone else filled in for them. Other things you can do um, is look for support groups, you know, look for a support group around whatever issue you're trying to help your family member manage. Um, and, and also take care of yourself, you know, don't let your needs fall by the wayside. Um, but I, I'm sure you ladies have some, some ideas and suggestions around caregiving also. Yeah. So for me, um, I've been a caregiver to uh, my grandmother who just passed away um, in March this, this year, actually from COVID. Um, so, you know, it's interesting because like I have a really big family, right? A lot of, um, she had a lot of children, a lot of grandchildren, but of course it's just like with any um, family or any organization is always like the faithful few, as they say in church, <laughs> you know, like it's always the few people that go hard, you know, like no matter how many people are there, it's going to be the same people getting the groceries, taking her to appointments, scheduling those appointments, making sure her medicine is together or whatever, whatever that, you know, looks like. Um, so I'm going to just say like caregiver burnout is real. And then sometimes I think especially as moms, like we take on like just a mom role, especially when our moms, grandmoms get older, that's just naturally like our instinct is to jump in and take care, right? But caregiver burnout is real. Like it's a real thing. Like um, Dr. Lamb was saying, you know, I watched my aunt who, who was my grandmother's primary caregiver. She passed away um, this time last year. She was 55 years old. She had cancer and she didn't even no, she like got diagnosed and two months later she passed away, right? So that really took my grandmother down, you know, because that was like her primary caregiver. But the lesson in that is like, she wasn't doing self-care. You know, she wasn't taking time for herself. And I know that because my aunt worked a lot of hours, but no matter how tired she was, she would, you know, put my grandmother first. That's just who she was. Um, and then if she couldn't do it, she would call on me or, or my other aunt or, you know, other reliable um, people. But I think um, we take for granted that we can do it all, especially when you have your own children, you have your own family, you're working and things like that. And then you're trying to provide you know, for an elder. I think just that balance is like something that's missed, like you just talked about. And I've seen it with my own eyes. So 
Um, and then I think um, in families, like we think that one person, oh, they're, they're taking care of mama. They're good. Like they're going to do it all. And it's like, no, that person needs help. They, they just may not ask for help, <laughs> you know, like verbally, you know, so being aware of that, checking in with those people that are the primary caregivers. Maybe you can't do that. Maybe you can't take that on the full responsibility, but nobody should do that, especially when there's like a, a family. So that's my two cents. Yeah. And um, I, I've only really been a caregiver to my daughter. Um, but just in that role, um, I think it's really important just to know what your limitations are. Um, and don't be afraid to ask for help because sometimes family members don't provide the help because we're not asking, you know. Um, and one of the tips that I know um, are definitely should be applied for caregivers is to be able to use your resources around you to seek professional help because sometimes like part of your limitations are physical limitations, like you physically cannot lift and bath and you know weigh and feed or give medicine, take blood, know your limitations, ask for the help, or when you feel overwhelmed, be in tune with yourself to say, okay, I can't do this anymore all on my own and I need additional support. And that support can come in the form of a nurse. Medicaid or Medicare has so many different, you know, avenues to go through when you are taking care of, you know, other people. Um, you can get financial support for that. You can get help with transportation, help with food. You can just have someone, okay, it's your turn. Like Dr. Lamb was saying, you tag in because I have this long shift coming up. You know, just be able to, you know, reach out to people and don't be afraid to say that, you know, it's overwhelming. Um, I think one of the most important things that um, both Dr. Lamb and Kalima just mentioned was, you know, the importance of having that network or that support group or being able to find one. You'll be surprised. There are so many support groups out there. And if you need help finding any, um, just shoot us a message. We'll definitely, you know, point you in the right direction. But just don't be afraid to, you know, get the help that you need and ask family, friends, or professionals for the additional assistance. And I just want to add that even though, you know, being a caregiver is hard, you also have to think about the person that you're caring for. And that person has been taking care of you your entire life. And now you have to take care of them. So not having that control sometimes can be hard. So it's always going to be rough in the beginning. So, you know, dealing with a, a parent, a sister, a brother that you may have to take care of for because they're injured or maybe they're getting older, you know, that is still a new life for them. So it's always gonna be an adjustment for them too. And coming from a big family, like myself, the older person always seems to be the person that takes care of the parent. Um, and you need to be aware of that. And as me being the younger child, I make sure that I call my mom and I call my sister and just ask like, what do you need? So anytime I go up and visit her, I make sure I have a bag full of stuff. And I sit with her and give my sister that time. You also have to acknowledge your role in taking care of your care of the caregiver and the other person's role that is a primary caregiver of that family member. Yeah. I love that, Earth, that you mentioned that these, these folks are folks who took care of us and, and changed our diapers and, and made sure that, you know, we had op the opportunities we had. And um, it makes me think about a saying that my dad shared with me um, a long time ago. He said, remember, daughter, you're only an adult once and a baby twice. You know, he said someone's going to care for you in early life and in later life. Middle life is the only opportunity you really have where you have a lot of control and agency. And I, and I think making that transition and allowing someone to care for you is, um, is tough. 
you know, and, and one of the things that did come up while taking care of your elder is, um, you know, obviously rewarding and the right thing to do is sometimes challenging because they're experiencing a lot, you know, maybe they're experiencing physical pain, um, emotional pain, and then there's pride and, you know, adjusting to allowing yourself to be taken care of and, and not always having the final say in some decisions because there's a whole bunch of people who love you and care about you and want you to make the best choice to keep you, you know, keep you around and healthy and living longer. So there's a lot to think about with it. Um, and it just requires a lot of grace, you know, just a lot of understanding. Um, my mom tells stories all the time that her mom was the sweetest. You know, my, my grandmother was the sweetest. She was about four foot nine and the sweetest voice and um, just kind to everyone. But when she was very ill, she was in a lot of pain. And my mom said, oh, she pinched me all the time. <laughs> She's like, you know, she she would say, leave oh, me pinch. <laughs> leave me alone don't comb my hair you know it was it was tough you know it was tough because she didn't feel well but my mom kept going even though she was getting pinched and and you know told off she kept going and she did her mama's hair because that's the right thing to do you know and, and her mom would have done it for her yeah so from this topic a few key takeaways are you know just always if you're a caregiver or if you know a caregiver make sure that you're providing a support system or seeking one stay educated about your resources around you to help you in that role as a caregiver um and just remember to practice your self-care always practice self-care it goes a long way for you and for the person that you're taking care of um also a lot lighter topic uh november 3rd was election day we still don't know who our president is. <laughs> I don't know if we can celebrate yet. <laughs> to, to say right now about that situation, um, I woke up, I went to sleep a couple of times and no news yet. <laughs> taking a while to count these votes, y'all. A while. I saw a meme that said um, the sloth from Zootopia could have counted. <laughs> wow. And that was just hilarious to me. What do you guys think about what's going on with this election so far? It's concerning for me because it's about well, like five states that were still waiting for these numbers to come through. And, and now people are actually going to the poll places because he has, you know, stated that people are, you know, President Trump, I say that people are cheating and they are intimidating the poll people and they have to be escorted out. So right now it, it is concerning, but everyone has to know that every vote matters and every vote counts and they need to take their time to count each person's vote. And this is an election and we are a democracy and voting matters in every shape or course of our lives. And as a president or even as our potential new president, that should be sacred, us voting and us um, giving our opinion about who we want to take care of us for the next four years. That's a good point. You know, first and foremost, we're a democratic nation. We pride our, ourselves on giving everybody the right to vote, right? So, you know, as impatient as we may be to get the results, everyone did their part in voting. I'm very proud that we've had such a big turnout. I know um, in the state of New Jersey, uh, Governor Murphy was like posting like these, uh, you know, daily or weekly uh, uh, announcements of how many New Jerseyans were voting. And it just made me proud because uh, I could remember a time when I didn't know much about voting and I didn't know how to exercise my right to vote and know we know that people fought for their rights to vote or fought for an equal voice so the fact that we had such a big turnout it's like great now 
how do we process these votes so we can get a president <laughs> or know who our president will be? <laughs> so um, thinking about the president, if it's Trump or Biden, what are some of your concerns or what are some of the things that you hope that they take um, tasks during their next four years, the administration? Um, for me, I think truly um, addressing the, the divide and disconnect um, between the police training and, you know, like preparedness to deal with mainly um, people that are suffering, experiencing mental health episodes um, and, you know, just cultural sensitivity instead of taking the course away, <laughs> like, like it was done um, to re, you know, instate it and then making sure that you know, the people that are, that are supposed to be protecting us are fully trained, um, just fully trained in, in every area. And that, you know, they kind of just change the system, whether it's, you know, asking a social worker or somebody that's actually trained to, you know, um, what is it called, uh, to de-escalate de situations, right? Because at this point, people of color don't feel comfortable calling the police about anything, you know, because we're not sure how it's going to end up, right? I'm just being full transparent. I'm not comfortable calling the police because I don't know if I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to be next on the news or whatever. So um, not saying that can happen overnight, but I think the work has to be done, but it has to be acknowledged first. So I want a president that's going to acknowledge like the injustices and, you know, how it's, um, how, how it affects us day to day, you know, functioning. Um, so that's my hope. Um, oh, sorry. You go ahead, Dr. Lane. Along those lines, um, you know, I think I want to see a couple of other systemic issues be addressed, um, like access to quality education <laughs> um, and also. Um, access to healthcare and quality quality healthcare. I think that if we address these issues around education and we're able to invest in communities where um, school systems are struggling to have supplies and struggling with curriculum and books and things like that, um, we'll see some of those other issues around poverty and access to job and real you know, economic movement be, um, be addressed over time. Um, I also, along those lines, want to see some something addressed around student loans, because you know students of color are likely to be victims of predatory loans. You know the Sally Mays and Navians that have astronomical interest rates and um, really, you know, kind of stress folks out. I know a lot of folks who did not know that taking a private loan was not the best route and that they should have taken a federal loan. And, you know, they're really struggling to this day with um, companies that won't do income-based payments and things like that. So I'd like to see those issues addressed. And then when I talk about, you know, kind of um, access to healthcare, I think about the fact that a lot of um, children of color are struggling with mental health concerns, but families either don't have access to counseling because they don't have healthcare or they don't trust the system to actually take care of their children. You know, they're afraid that maybe their children uh, will be, you know, harmed in some way or, you know, removed from them in some way. So I worry about those things. Um, so two things that I'm really concerned about is education. I feel that our education system does need to be reworked, um, especially with history. I feel that we should be learning U.S. history, regardless of not certain months, we should learn certain types of history, but just U.S. history. There's so many civil rights acts that were happening around the same time 
that, but they piece it apart like it didn't happen together. And there's some people that were fighting together too to pass like the disability acts and um, civil rights acts and gay rights. All that was kind of happening around the same time. But since we separated so much in our history, it's like it's two, it's three different worlds. So I think we need to really talk about U.S. history, and 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 not put so much um, emphasis on what happened in England before you know the immigrants came over. Because yes, that is important because that's where our constitution came from and and um, how we started. But we really need to understand what goes on in U.S. history. I feel like. That's also the issue that we're having with the election and people being so divided, not knowing, you know, the history of America. And one other thing is childcare. <laughs> childcare is expensive. <laughs> and I don't understand why. Well, I do understand why, but I don't understand why. Why one school might be under a thousand, another school is like paying for a car note, and then in other schools like paying for a mortgage. Like I need to understand why, you know, all these daycares are so expensive and what are they really offering your kids? And if there's really a difference in each day, clearly there is a difference between daycares, but is there really a difference that's going to change my child to be an Ivy League school or, you know, <laughs> just a, um, you know, a regular four-year college, you know? So childcare really needs to be addressed because it's, it also doesn't give our children a good even playing field either. Uh, for me, I think that uh, I've been waiting all my life to answer this question as if I was running for the presidential. <laughs> um, there were about like 12 topics that uh, were really key in this election. Um, I find it ironic that um, supporters, regardless of who you are voting for, what what you know party you're a part of, um, were very divided on some topics because I feel like they're all interrelated. We can't talk about improving healthcare and education if we're not talking about the economy and access to access to healthcare, racial or ethnic inequality. We can't separate those two or those groups of things. And um, for me, I just hope that when it comes to our administration, we just take it back down to the basic, basic civil liberties, basic rights. Everyone is a human. Everyone has the right to the pursuit of life and happiness. Like, I just, I just wanted to take it back to why we are America, why at some point in our lives, we were once happy to be a part of America or to say, yes, I'm an American because there's, there are things that are going on in our country now that are, that makes me very afraid to say, yes, my name is Almisa and I'm from the United States of America because we have kids in cages. We have African-American mothers dying at way high rates in childbirth and labor and delivery because of lack of healthcare, lack of education regarding what they're going through in their body, lack of doctors or healthcare systems or hospitals that are willing to treat them effectively based off of what they're presenting. We have 200,000 people and counting dying from a pandemic that could have been prevented, that could have been stopped in its early stages. We have violent crime increasing our climate is dying so all of these things are like interrelated and it all falls back down to treating everyone like they matter and making sure that everyone has an equal opportunity to achieve greatness so i just i my hope is that we just 
remember why we're selecting a president right now, right? Where you're governing a group of people, you're governing a country of millions of people. And what your job is, is to protect us first and foremost, so that we can continue to grow and we can have a country 10 years, 15 years, 100 years from now. So that's just my little speech. I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> Preach, go off sis. <laughs> That was awesome. But moving on, um, <laughs> we're so happy for all of the engagement that we've been getting. Um, we have a couple of questions that were asked and we just wanted to touch on them really briefly. Um, the first question was, who are you outside of being a mom? Now we know that this is a mom podcast and we're here for you because we're four moms, you know, representing you, answering questions, educating. Um, but who are you outside of being a mom? What are some of your interests? What helps you stay grounded? What makes you uniquely you? Personally, for me, I don't know who I am outside of mom. I'm still figuring out a career. I'm figuring out what I like, what I don't like, what type of people I like, what type of food I want to eat every night. I don't know who I am outside of mom. And I think that in itself is a response because I'm a ever growing and changing person and who I am today may not be who I am tomorrow. And I'm the queen of bringing up memes. And there was a meme that said, if you knew me last week, then you don't know me today because I changed. <laughs> so, I, outside of being a mom, I'm just, uh, I would say that I'm just like a lifelong grower, seeking education, learning something new and changing as the wind blows by. <laughs> What about you, Dr. Liam? Um, so I'm probably going to date myself because um, something that was said in the show Martin comes to mind, but it was when Shanine said, I'm a lady. <laughs> <laughs> but whoever I think, you know, I'm a woman, I'm a lady. Um, I, you know, feel like a, a strong woman. I feel like at times I'm a fierce woman when I need to be. Um, a lover of family and friends, um, love to eat and dance and um, aspire to be an entrepreneur and hopefully a social justice warrior, you know, as I grow and, and learn more about how I can impact the community. Um, but I'm just a lover of learning and growing and connecting um, with other people. For me, um, I love that, by the way, Dr. Liam. Um, for me, I, I just... I just love to serve people. So that's like why I'm here is to serve people, to love people. Um, even when I don't want to. <laughs> so, <laughs> even, when, even when I don't like them, I, I'm still called to love people, right? So um, and like one way that I know that I can spread love to people is through music. I, I love music. I love to sing. I'm a vocalist. My husband and I both um, just love to sing. And to me, like music is therapy. So you know, like that's how we penetrate the hearts of people is through music and spreading love and just like here to serve people. You come to my house, I'll make you a drink, I'll make you some coffee, I'm gonna fill your tummy up, make sure you're good. And um, that's just how I was raised. So just love and, you know, just love to serve people. So this was actually a really hard question for me because I never really thought about it. Now that I am a mom, I'm like, what did I do before? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so then I actually asked my husband, I was like, what, what do you consider me like, besides being a mom? He was like, well, you are my wife. And I was just like, yeah, but 
you know. <laughs> so that's just another label. Um, so I would say before, before I got into my profession, before I became a mom, before I became a wife, I actually wanted to be a food critic. I love food. So I'm a big foodie. I would go to restaurants and this is my spatial awareness, kind of. I will look at everything on the menu and I will make sure I maximize um, my budget and how much food I could get within my budget. <laughs> <laughs> and if I went with someone, I made sure they did not get the same thing I got and we figured it out so I could taste everything. And I would try to replicate those things at home. Um, I'm always on Pinterest trying to look for healthy ways to make things. Um, I, I don't have every uh, kitchen um, item in my kitchen, but uh, I, I try to get them so I can make you know special things for my family or my friends. And I like to try the non-traditional um, black food, <laughs> I would have to say, you know, um, so I do love food. I'm a foodie. I'll go to hell and high water to, you know, go to a new restaurant, especially when I go to new town and stuff like that. So, um, so that's one thing I would say that's, uh, one thing I would love to do even after focusing on my little girl right now. Yeah. It's important to keep in your mind who you are outside of being a mom. Our theme today is about self-care. It's part of being self, having self-care, making sure you're taking the time to still like go after your dreams and um, go after your dreams and making sure, you know, you're still focused on what you want to do and who you are because after you're a mom, you're a mom for maybe 18 years. I'm giving myself till 25, so it's got to be out my house. <laughs> what do you do when kids leave you know so you have to make sure that you still maintain your own identity so that when they're eventually out the house hopefully it's no later than 25 y'all um you know you still are a person you know um yeah, that number keeps on going up every year you know because kids can't kids can't survive when they got to school <laughs> it's about here shoot i feel like i just became an adult i'm 34 <laughs> trying to make sure you have your own business you know put a couple of deeds in your name so that when you are set to go you are gone and out like for good like, there's like i'm joking completely about that but who knows check me in 25 years generational <laughs> <laughs> wealth that's what you want right exactly um dr lim is going to provide us with our mommy minute for the evening Yes. So mommy, sister moms, you know, we like to encourage you to spend some time focusing on yourself. Uh, so for this week, the mommy minute is to do something for yourself after your child is asleep, mm -hmm. not during their nap time in the middle of the day, because we don't know how long that's going to last. Um, not during dinner or during homework, because you could be interrupted. But once they are asleep for the night, do your thing. It might be a cup of tea. It might be that bubble bath that you've been waiting for. It might be dinner. So you don't have to share your plate, <laughs> whatever it is. You know, do that, do that one thing for you once they're asleep and tell us about it. We want to hear how it went. Thank you for joining us, Sister Moms, today. You can definitely follow Dr. Lamb's instructions and We'll be asking this on our Instagram and our Facebook page so that you can respond to us, drop it in the comments, send us a message. 
Most importantly, be sure to take care of yourself and make sure you tune in for our next chat. Thank you for coming out tonight. Bye, Sister Mom. Bye.